we have looked just in passing I admit at the way in which the relationship of Israel and the Lord is likened to a marriage relationship he saying I am a husband unto you and charging them with faithlessness and ultimately restoring after a period of divorce and separation now it might come into the mind of some and say well there were some in Israel that were faithful even though you could never say that anybody was really perfect but there were some who sought to walk with God yes that's perfectly true Abraham is picked out as one who was quite willing to be a tent dweller instead of merely inheriting the land that was given to him on the spot because he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God and that city which hath foundations is the new Jerusalem not the Jerusalem of the earth so although this is bringing in other parts which I cannot deal with except in passing we get a treasure in the earth in one of the parables and then we get one special peculiar treasure called a pearl well now it's possible that the whole of Israel as a nation are looked upon as a treasure that was hidden in the earth and ultimately redeemed but the one peculiar treasure the pearl of great price were those who were faithful among Israel even in days of general departure and then you see you who know all the story of the heavenly Jerusalem will remember that the gates of that city are described as every single gate a pearl as though there was an emphasis and although we don't um, make very much of course in this life of diamonds and jewels and whatnot, yet um, a diamond is a mineral uh, but a pearl is the exception that has been produced uh, by a certain element of suffering I don't know whether an oyster suffers very very deeply uh, but a pearl is the result of irritation and so there may be some link to one of the reasons why that's adopted <coughs> well now I'm going to read first of all one or two extracts so that those of you who are listening shall know that others have pointed out this distinction between the wife and the bride and the body and here I quote from Sir Robert Anderson and he says this is the church the bride of Christ let us begin by correcting our terminology in the Patmos visions that's the book of the revelation we read of the bride the lamb's wife but the bride of Christ is unknown to scripture with the close of the Baptist ministry who is called the friend of the bridegroom both the bride and the lamb disappear from the New Testament until we reach the Patmos vision again we give another writer's comments he John speaks of the Lord under the figure of a lamb Paul never does neither does he use the symbol of a bride hence the phrase the bride of Christ is not found in scripture and inasmuch as it combines the figures of different writers its use is to be deprecated that is by C.F. Hogg in the witness 1933 and then the Philadelphia Bible testimony they also have given a witness I'm quoting from that it is realized that many of the Lord's people have for a long time been accustomed to the doctrine of the bride and the body being the same well now there's another fusion of titles is the bride the same as the body 
Or some may say, well, it's only a figure and we mustn't be too exact. However, repetition of doctrine does not make it truth. That makes it vanity. Acceptance of a doctrine by the visible church does not make it truth. That makes it ecclesiasticism. The age of doctrine does not make it truth. That makes it tradition. The child of God must have an open mind toward the Lord and his word, willing to cast aside the most cherished of teachings if proved untrue by the scriptures. Well, that's just to show you that others have been seeking and finding too. Now, when we come to the one book in the New Testament which specifically speaks of the New Jerusalem, the heavenly city, we're in a day of great suffering where the anti-Christian powers have assembled and persecution is rife, the period of tribulation is on, and the whole of the book of the Revelation is strung upon a little handful, almost almost negligible, him that overcometh. You would remember the seven churches, in each case, him that overcometh. And in one of the cases, the overcomer is particularly associated with the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, just refer to that in passing to show you the relationship. In chapter 3, verse 12, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. So that man, in that company, is associated with the New Jerusalem. And if you go through the seven churches, you'll find there's the Book of Life mentioned, and other associations, the paradise of God, all linking that seven churches with the rest of the book. Now these overcomers are seen in contrast with the dreadful period and people in existence and in that day. Let's get one or two comparisons between chapter 17 and chapter 21. In chapter 17, verse 18, we read, And the woman which thou sawest, is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. And in chapter 21, verse 10, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. Both cities are called that great city. Then the likenesses persisted in chapter 17 in verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-coloured beast, full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And in comparison with that, chapter 21, verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And then we have further in chapter 17, verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. And in the parallel we have in chapter 21, verse 11 and 12, Having the glory of God and her light was like unto stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal, and we have gates of pearl and streets of gold. You've got these two systems. The one dominating, the other suffering, but ultimately triumphing. 
Now this is called the bride. You will see in the um, in the chapter 19 uh, it says in verse 7 let us be glad and rejoice and give honour to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for fine linen is the righteousness of saints and he saith unto me right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb so we have a, a marriage arranged and this is called the bride, the ram's wife. It definitely says the two in verse 9 of chapter 21, the bride, the lamb's wife, because I've met some people who say uh, that um, because it says the wife, this must be back to Old Testament times. Well, I don't know whether they've ever been married themselves, but after the marriage ceremony, when the lady was the bride, you said, but you're not quite my wife, you see. I think they'd get into trouble, wouldn't they? The bride is the wife. So we mustn't boggle over those things. But it's the bride of the Lamb which is stressed in the book of the Revelation. That's the title of these overcomers. And we have the description of, of this city and we have the fact that there shall be nothing shall enter there that defileth or worketh an abomination or maketh a lie. So that now we've seen that there is the wife which is all Israel except this triumphant overcoming little company who like Abraham have an, a heavenly inheritance in front of them there's every possibility that the marriage supper will last the millennium while the millennium is on earth the marriage supper will be going on in the heavenly Jerusalem you say what a good long supper to last a thousand years well what's that matter when you're dealing with infinity and eternity but you do know that in the east the uh, the marriage uh, ceremonial lasted some period in the days of Jacob uh, when he woke up to the fact that he'd been palmed off with Leah instead of marrying Rachel. Uh, he couldn't do anything about it because it was finished. He said, I'll serve another seven years for Rachel. And after the first week was over, he started all over again. So here we have the thought. Now, there's another company which doesn't come into our story today. That is to say, those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The guests of the wedding. You've got to find room for those. Because I've never met a bride yet who had to be invited. I don't know about the bridegroom. But, you see, so we've got to be so careful. And the guests will be great number in comparison. And when you get that parable, that there was a marriage made for the king's son, and those who were uh, invited were not worthy, and then he says he sent them out into the highways and gathered whoever would come in. That's what's happening now through John's Gospel. Right out into the whosoever world. They're not made the bride. They're certainly not the wife. They're not the body that comes under Paul's ministry, but they're the gathering that the wedding shall be furnished with guests. So that we've got all these figures at our disposal and it's wise to keep them intact. Well now then, we leave that, I'm sure, there's much more to be said, but this is to stimulate your study rather than do it all for you. Uh, we must give one point to the word body. But instead of turning to the word that means the body, I want to turn to the relationship of this body with the other companies, and that is found in Ephesians 4. Of course, in Ephesians 4, we have uh, the practical outworking of the truth revealed for the present dispensation. 
This is not the restoration of Israel. This is not a spiritual Israel. These were Gentiles who were strangers and aliens, but they are brought into relationship with Christ as members of his body and become a man in Christ. And will you look at um, verse 11 of chapter 4? These apostles, given by the ascended Christ, cannot be the twelve apostles that he appointed when he was upon earth, for that's a contradiction. He appointed twelve men, and their names are given in Matthew 10. Now, after he's ascended, he appoints some apostles, plural. So there's another set of apostles, quite independent of those whose names will be on the foundation stones of the New Jerusalem. And it says their work was, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Now we must stop there for a moment because it's right to say that the word man covers mankind. Uh, The word man can mean men, women and children. But not this word. The word that covers all mankind is the word anthropos. That's the proper word to use. But this is the word ania. A-N-long-E-R. Ania. Now instead of telling you what it means, I'll show you what the translators are done with the self-same word in the next chapter. Chapter 5. Verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That's the word ania. Verse 23. The husband is the head of the wife. That's the word ania. Verse 24. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And in verse 25, husbands love your wives. So you see, you haven't got to look very far to know that it's utterly impossible to say that the the uh, goal in chapter 4.13, the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, that's the bride. I've met some people like that, you know, friends. I remember once being rather stumped. I didn't know how to tackle this lady because you've got to hold your punches when you're talking to one of the other sex, you know, you're supposed to. And she proved that the church was the bride by quoting from the book of the Revelation, the man-child caught up to heaven. I thought, goodness me, what do I say now? If anyone can lift out a man-child and say it's a bride, well, that's so muddled and mixed up, it doesn't mean anything. And God means what he says. He says, here's a church which is going to constitute the perfect husband. And there's a church which is going to constitute the perfect bride. In the paradise that's coming in the glorious future, so many teachers especially among the brethren, have got the bride there, but there's no husband for her. But God hasn't forgotten that. Christ is the head of the bride, Christ is the head of the body, and two companies come together in the glory. They don't muddle and mix. The bride will have her apartments, and the husband will have his in the glory, but it's all there. Just as it was in Genesis 1 and 2, you've got the husband first, being there alone, and then the wife, brought to him, so during this present time, God is forming the perfect man. And when that's finished and complete, there will be this reunion that's all planned in the future. So that you see, we need not trespass on one another's callings, and we not in in any sense make these uh, types and shadows without meaning. Uh, We look back now to uh, the first chapter, 
But I've just put on the board, for the sake of those who cannot see this board, just three headings. The wife, that is to say Israel, and there is the word restored. Ultimately to be restored by God after a long period of waiting. Then we have the bride, the overcomers, and they live and reign with Christ a thousand years. They are the bride element, the overcomers. And then we have the body, the perfect man being a husband, and this time the great word is the word fullness. If you look at chapter 1, verse uh, 22, And he hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What a magnificent statement. What an astounding statement. That just in measure, as Christ fills all things and is the fullness of all, so the church, which is his body, echoes that in its lower degree. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so we realise that just as Israel divides into two parts, the nation which shall be restored like the restored wife, the faithful ones among that nation who shall overcome and become the bride of the Lamb, then we come to others who are not to do with Israel. And they are defined in Ephesians 2 as being at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world, they constitute, by the mercy of God, the perfect man. So we now have earth and heavenly Jerusalem and far above all inhabited by these groups. The earth is to be restored and Israel to flourish here and to be a kingdom of priests in God's good time. The bride is to do with the heavenly city which is above the earth and doesn't come down to the earth till the end of the millennium. And then we have the position far above all where Christ sits and the church there is called the perfect man. So once again, uh, I, I'm conscious I've left out more than I, uh, that, um, than I put in, but we are trying to make it as concise as possible to give you who are starting just a few pointers. Will you persevere? You read the Old Testament through and you'll get the history of the marriage relationship of the Lord and the divorce and the restoration of the wife. And then you come to the New Testament and you'll find particularly in the Revelation all that you need to distinguish between those two companies, the wife and the bride. Then you come to our present calling while Israel are still sequestered, while God is still withholding the title uh, of being the God of Israel. He's given you and me, your outsiders, even a closer relationship, for we are members of his body. We are united to him as the body is to the head. And our position is not the heavenly Jerusalem, but it is where Christ sits at the right hand of God, far above all.